listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. So as rich and evocative as are the two interlinked healing stories from Mark, I want to spend some time this evening thinking through the passage from 2 Corinthians. Of course, with the lectionary, it means three years from now I'll have another go at Mark. That's how it works. This is how tonight's reading from 2 Corinthians began. Now as you, Corinthians, excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. This generous undertaking, Paul writes, but without backing up a little bit, it isn't entirely clear what the heck he's talking about. It is, quite frankly, a stewardship appeal. It's a fundraising thing. As Paul has committed himself to gathering money for the church in Jerusalem, the the mother church or the, the home office, because Jerusalem and the surrounding area had been suffering from a crop ruining drought for two years, two years in a row. And so affordable food had become very, very scarce. As Paul travels around the Mediterranean, he's raising money to be sent back home to Jerusalem. And at least part of that may be about strengthening the connections between the predominantly Jewish Christian community in Jerusalem and the largely Gentile Christian churches in places like Corinth. Remember, he's saying, remember, they're now your brothers and your sisters. Well, then, as now, people tend to get a little anxious when the church starts talking about money. And that's true whether you call it a stewardship sermon or commitment Sunday or whatever other title the the powers that be dream up to try to make it a little softer. Earlier in the week... I was interviewed by a fellow from Philadelphia named Scott Jones. And Scott does a a weekly podcast on the lectionary readings. And each week he he talks to somebody. It's in conversation. And as we began to chat about this text from 2 Corinthians, he asked, Do you know the old story, the old joke about the two guys shipwrecked on a desert island in the month of August? One of those two was anxious, so anxious, nobody would ever find them. But the other guy said, oh, don't worry about it. I'm a Presbyterian. September is stewardship month. They'll find me. Well, the attitude when the church starts talking about money is that it's like a necessary evil or something you kind of have to put up with, squirming a bit in the pews while the preacher makes the pitch from the pulpit. Yet for Paul, writing about giving toward the needs of those in Jerusalem is actually about the very nature of the body of Christ and ultimately about Jesus. I want you to excel also in this generous undertaking, he writes. 
And I do not say this is a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness or the eagerness of others. He's not, he's really clear, he's not commanding them to give to the collection for the Jerusalem church. This isn't a heavy-handed mandate or some sort of a church tax. No, he says, I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others, or as Eugene Peterson renders it in his message translation, by bringing in the enthusiasm of other church communities as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. See, at the beginning of this chapter, just a few verses before we picked up reading, Paul had referenced the example of the churches of Macedonia, writing, quote, that during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Those communities in Macedonia are afflicted. He, he doesn't say by what. And yet their abundant joy and their extreme poverty, and isn't that an extraordinary juxtaposition? Abundant joy and extreme poverty. Those have overflowed into generosity. That brings to mind the stories that Larry Campbell tells from his visit to Uganda when he'd be welcomed into a home and they would bring out the best food from their rather meager supplies to share for him as a guest. Or what Pierre talks about in Haiti, his friend Denis, a key member, key leader in that El Shaddai Baptist church. Denis just gives and gives and gives and gives some more in spite of living in one of the most broken economies in the world. Poverty and abundant joy overflowing. Well, Paul has seen something like that Ugandan hospitality or the example of Denis in Haiti. He's seen something like that in Macedonia. And he holds it up as an inspiration to the Corinthian church. But the deeper inspiration is to come from Christ himself. And so Paul writes, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now make no mistake here that when Paul uses words like riches, that you might become rich because of what Christ has done, it's all being redefined under the economy of the kingdom. Paul isn't talking like some of the prosperity preachers might, about Cadillacs and Rolls Royces. For Paul, riches mean something closer to what he's seen in Macedonia and how even apparent poverty can overflow into a wealth, into the riches of generosity when it's twinned with abundant joy. What's more... Paul is working with a sort of a communitarian ethic here that takes into account the, the needs and the means of all. 
I do not mean, he writes, that there should be relief for others and pressure on you. It's a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need. And having said that, this fair balance between abundance here and need here, he cites the story of the manna in the desert, manna in the wilderness, food given to the freed Hebrew slaves as they made their way through desert terrain. The one who had much did not have too much. The one who had little did not have too little. In short, there was enough. And learning that is actually a spiritual matter and a point of maturation and growth for a community. It was a matter of growth and learning for the freed Hebrew slaves in the desert. Often as not, they grumbled and they had some more maturing to do. And it was a matter of growth and learning and spiritual maturation for the Corinthian church as well. And for us, it's one of the reasons that we made the decision years ago to take 10% of our offering income and use that every year in our mission fund. And that mission fund is used to support and respond to a whole array of other needs, needs outside of our own church walls. Some very basic needs, like the work of Agape Table, the work they do in feeding hungry people, but also things like the work of the Bell Tower Community Cafe, which uses the sharing of meals, the sharing of food, as a way to build community. Or the way that Art City, just down the street on Broadway, invites local kids from the neighborhood into a, a creative art-making space as an alternative to street life. It's a joyous thing to be able to look at good work that's being done and then to come alongside of it with a mission fund grant. It's also good for the soul of a church to stand in a posture of generosity. That's part of what Paul's getting at with Corinth. But I really think that what Paul is talking about is more than just money. It's not limited to money. As he points to the needs of the Jerusalem church and then the resources of the Corinthian church, he's implicitly saying, and when you Corinthians are in need, others in the body of Christ will be there for you. That's the way the body of Christ is called to be, but again, not narrowly in terms of money. Paul's idea of a fair balance between present abundance and need can just as easily be extended to all manner of other things in our lives. So someone in our midst is struggling or grieving or anxious, or lonely. And what they need is a person who has a little abundance of compassion to come alongside in friendship. And when the person who's been struggling finds their feet again, and they look and they see someone over there 
who's beginning to struggle, maybe now they have a, a little abundance of compassion to offer. It's the kind of thing that Paul is talking about, not just about money, but about life in the body. It's actually the economics of the kingdom in which we are called to belong one to another, to bear one another's burdens, to notice one another's struggles, and then actually to care. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.